This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. That was the Ball Brothers with Mercy Said No. You're listening to Faith FM. We have come to our Encounter with God section. And before we go to that, Lawson is going to give us another clue for the quiz because... No, no one has answered it yet. Yeah, this this is actually an easy one, but um, the quiz questions are endeavouring to be as obscure as possible. Okay, here we go. Who am I? I walked on water... Yeah, not many people who ever did that. Yeah. So that narrows things down a little bit to like very few. Yeah. Well, we also know this person was the main speaker of Pentecost and he was told that he's a Jew and doesn't live like a Jew. Okay. He's pretty If you know the answer. Pretty cool guy. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And the answer will be coming your way. All right, Encounter with God. And before we get to Encounter with God, quick reminder, grab the uh, Faith FM Australia app. Ooh, yes. It is the best. No ads to deal with. Mm. Perfect signal wherever you go. Right around the world, listen to Faith FM. Always catch the live show. Never miss out on the live show. It's just, it, it is the way to go. Mm. So make sure you download that app and listen to us on Faith FM app. Faith FM Australia app. Make sure you get the Australia one. Very good. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 30. Today, yesterday we were talking about music and the role that music plays. Today we are talking about purification. And we're going the role to that, that music plays in purification. No, we're going to talk oh. about purification. We're not talking about music today. We're okay. done with music. Music is over. Finished. Oh. Gone. Done. We music had, is done. 2019, had, the death of music. We had the uh, the day the music died or something rather than that. <laughs> um, I know nothing about music, so we're just going to skip it and move on. <laughs> we talked about all kinds of stuff yesterday. I had no idea. Lawson had his best day on radio ever, I think, because he loves music and he's a yeah. musician. Oh, and um, just got to talk about I was music. like... I'm hearing words. <laughs> I don't know what these words mean, but they are words. You have to you have to be, you know, open your mind, Lyle. He's talking about chords and <laughs> things. I was talking about the science of sound. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> As I said, Lawson was using words. <laughs> okay, I know there is at least one person out there listening this morning that can relate to what I am saying. Uh, because there is one person like me who knows nothing about music, at least. At least. At least one. All right. At least one. Okay. Yeah. So, what are we reading? Verse 30. Verse 30. The Bible says, The priests and the Levites first purified themselves, then they purified the people at the gates and the wall. Okay. I- yes. Uh, yeah. Go. Okay. Read. No. no. Stop there. Oh, Stop okay. right there. Yep. All right. So, what's <laughs> happening here? They all have a big bath. I don't think so. You don't think so? That'd be kind of weird. I hope not. (laughs) Well, you know, um, they purified themselves. What does that mean? Oh, 
I think it means a couple of different things. I know that like purification, there was like laws in Deuteronomy on purification and very much at this time as well. This would probably be first time they had done like a, a ceremonial purification service since the return back to Jerusalem, um, you know, with the priests and the Levites, you know, leading that out. And so, yeah. I know. So what makes you impure? Um, um, touching dead bodies. Okay, so touching dead bodies. Uh huh. What else makes you impure? Um, eating unclean animals. Yes. Um, hanging out with Gentiles. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was something that they made up. Yeah, yeah. That was in the time of Jesus. They were like. If you hang out with Gentiles, you're unclean. You go under their roof, if you touch them, if you eat their food, if you have anything to do with them, if you breathe their air, you're going to become tainted with Gentile. Mm. You might get Gentile on your fingers. And you've got to be purified. Oh, right. Purification ceremonies are very important to the Jews. The Jews were very, um, you know, particularly by the time of Jesus, had become very focused on staying pure. Mm. The origins of baptism in many ways can be seen in the purification ceremonies that took place. Mm. Prior to the time of John the Baptist, you'll find that many of the communities would have you know, large tanks with steps leading down into them where you could walk down into the water for a purification ceremony. And these were not just baths. This was not about taking a bath and giving yourself a scrub down and getting clean, although within that society it was probably a good thing that they purified themselves regularly because they would have been cleaner than the average person who probably had a bath like once a year or never. Mm. Um, nobody had invented body odor back then, and very few people had considered hygiene. Whereas, you know, the Jews were to purify themselves on a regular, on a very regular basis. Mm. Um, and they would, you know, the Bible talks about them washing the washing their bodies and washing their clothes on a regular basis. And we look at this from a ceremonial perspective, but it had a hygiene aspect to it as well, mm. which meant that they definitely were much cleaner people than the average person in the ancient world. Um, however, the purification ceremonies, you know, often were not necessarily based around taking a bath and washing your clothes, mm. um, although that was often a part of it. And so this, you know, when we talk about, okay, what do they all do? They all have a bath. Well, you know, um, no, they didn't jump in a great big swing pool together and have a scrub down, but... As a part of this, the priests would have probably directed many of them to do so. Mm. And so there would have been a lot of bathing and washing of clothes that took place at this particular time. Uh, an important ceremony is about to take place. And the Bible says that, you know, when they were about to go into any of these important ceremonies, that they were to go in washed and clean. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they would have been cleaning themselves in, uh, in, in preparation for the ceremony. But more importantly, what had made them unclean more than uh, just the dirt and the grime that accumulates on any person, you know, particularly people living in an agrarian society as they were back then, the thing that really makes people unclean is sin. Mm. And a lot of the purification ceremonies were ceremonies that dealt with, um, you know, getting rid of sin out of out of the life. Mm. And so, um, you know, a lot of this, you know, is what would have been taking place right there at this particular time where there is a lot of confession of sin that is taking place. There is a lot of, you know, obviously sacrifices taking place where people are, 
you know, finding forgiveness for sin so that they can come to God physically pure and spiritually pure as well. Mm. And so, you know, we value very, very highly here in Western culture the opportunity of being able to have a shower once a day. Yeah. Um, and if we don't Praise have, the Lord. and if we don't have a shower once a day, we start to freak out, we start to lose our mind, and we start to feel grotty and gross. And we recently did a trip through the outback where showers were kind of far and few between. Mm. We were living in the back of our ute. We were traveling through places like you know the Simpson Desert and Lake Eyre, and it was just amazing. Mm. One of those things that every Australian should have on their bucket list and should do at some particular point. Showers were pretty infrequent opportunities. Did go for a swim in uh, Cooper Creek. It was July. Cooper Creek was about one degree above freezing um, <laughs> in the middle of the Simpson Desert and uh, you know, a couple of different occasions like that. But we were kind of, I think we were averaging a shower maybe once a week. Mm. And it's those first couple of days that you just feel terrible and gross. Yeah. And your hair itches and you know you smell terrible. And it was a good thing that it was wintertime. Uh, but after the first few days, you kind of start to get used to it. Mm. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, this is this is the way life is now. And then you'd have a shower and be like, ah, I feel like a new person. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just ask uh, producer Shell, did, did you enjoy Lyle being smelly and gross? Uh Big shakes of the head coming from. I the think the thing that she studio. enjoyed even less than my smell was was the itchiness in her hair. Oh, there you go. From uh, not being able to wash her hair once a day because <laughs> my my shower system failed miserably and True. badly, which was terrible. <laughs> okay, so you know, for us, you know, we really value physical cleanliness, mm. physical purity. Um, and you know, when you've gone for a week without a shower and you suddenly have a, you just, you just feel so fresh and so clean and so amazing. And that's how they would have been going into ceremonies like this, feeling fresh and clean and amazing and in a condition to come to God. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so I'm going to read this a really interesting comment from the, our Bible study guide. Uh, of course, there's 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. Uh, this comment says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's First John chapter one verse seven through nine. If we go back, let's work our way through this passage and let's uh, because this is a passage about moral purity mm. and how we receive moral purity. The Bible begins by talking about walking in the light. What's that all about? Um, it's. It's walking in, you know, the light, like the knowledge that Jesus has given you. Okay, so this is more than just walking around carrying at nighttime carrying mm. a torch, right? Yeah, fully. Okay. Um, it, it's about, you know, you've been shown or given an idea of what is right and wrong and what is correct and what you should be doing. And Jesus says, well, well, hey, walk, walk in that. 
Okay, so what's the connection here that God is trying to make when he talks about walking in the light? There's obviously a connection between walking in the knowledge of God and using a torch on a dark night. Oh, fully. Well, it's, um, I think Jesus says it best when he, when he gives the parable to the disciples about, you know, walk while you have the light. Um, it's like, you know, for, if you do not walk in the light, like if you walk in darkness, you'll stumble. Um, it's that to move forward, um, and to move forward successfully, you need vision. You need, you need that light, which is, is being referenced as, as the knowledge of God. Um, and so therefore, like, you know, if we're not moving in the light, if we're moving forward in darkness, um, well, then we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. I liken it to walking along the top of a very steep ridge. Mm. So I want you to imagine this, and you can see photos of this in many different parts of the world where mountain climbers, they're trying to get to the top of a mountain. The only way to the top is to traverse a ridge top. And you'll find the ridge top is kind of rocky and lumpy and all over the place. And on either side, you've got more or less sheer cliffs, you know, just sort of dropping away. Mm. And if you step off either side, you're going to go for a very, very long tumble, uh, possibly several thousand feet of tumbling before you stop. Um, And it's the stopping that's going to cause you problems. Now, if you try and do that at night on a cloudy night without a torch, is that a wise idea? No. No. Uh, whereas, and this, is, and this is why the Bible describes, you know, your word is a light unto my feet, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That path is a path of safety. Mm. It is the only path of safety that is available to us you find people constantly who step off that path and their life turns into a train wreck. Mm. You do not find anyone who is walking on that path whose life is a train wreck. Mm. And that is the path of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a very, very simple formula. Mm. You take tremendous risks by walking off that path. Yeah. You know, show me, you, you just, there, there is no person exists who's turned their life into a train wreck by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. But how many train wrecks are there in the world? All of them as a result of, um, you know, not being a follower of Christ. Mm. And so, you know, this is why the Bible says Jesus is, 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 is like a path and that God's word is like a lamp that lights our feet. Of course, we would use a torch today so that we can see where we're going. We all know the consequences of walking around in the dark and walking into things. Mm. It's kind of what toes were invented for, right? Yeah. Finding things in the dark, in the middle of the night, when you're trying to find your way to the loo. Like, (laughs) yes, there is that box that I left in the middle of the hallway. I have found it, and now my toe is bleeding. Mm. Um, Classic. (laughs) I think... I think though this this idea of light and knowledge and being able to see is, is a very John esque idea in all of his epistles yes. in the Gospels of John and in Re- Revelation. It's he expounds on this idea so much about knowledge and and vision and light. I wonder and, what the theological term for John esque is. 
because uh, you know they talk about Markian and Lukian yeah, ideas. What's the Johnian idea? The Johannian? The Johannian, you know, the Johannian. Ask a ask a theologian. Yeah, the correct word to use. But I'm I'm going to run with John esque for now. Yeah, it's a very very John esque idea. And one of the things we see is like you know in in Revelation in Revelation chapter three when it talks about you know the church of the end of time, the Laodicean church, and their biggest issue is that the fact that they can't identify that they're all messed up and that, you know, their situation is terrible and dangerous. And it's interesting. It's like when you don't have the light, as you were describing like a ridgeway, if you shut the lights off, well, then you don't know that there's cliffs either side and you can just fall to your death and not even, not even know. I, have you seen the classic Australian movie, The Man from Snowy River? I'm an Australian. That's required watching for all Australians, I think. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you've seen that movie. Yes. I'm pretty sure it's in that movie where- it can't the- be a patriotic Australian. <laughs> I think- It's just a silly movie. If you haven't seen it, don't stress, but, you know. But yeah. Do you remember- I think in that movie, there's a scene where the chick, like, falls off the side of the cliff, and and then she, like, just kind of- She's walking around at night, like, in a storm. She tumbles off the side of a cliff, but then, like, just lands, you know, maybe, like, 10 meters down the hill, and she doesn't know what to do, so she falls asleep there. And then she she falls asleep and wakes up the next morning and she opens her eyes and realizes she's on the side of like, you know, a thousand, couple thousand foot drop and she starts screaming and freaking out and she's like, ah, because she realizes like how much danger she's actually in when there was light enough to see the danger. Uh-huh. Yeah. But whereas before she had no idea, but then she was like, hey, I there can- is an important object lesson right here. Exactly. Because a lot of people who are walking around in darkness have no idea the level of danger they're in. Mm. Like, I'm walking around in the darkness. I don't need a light. My life is fine. I'm mm. in good shape. I'm not turning my life into a train wreck. Yeah. And, and, until you stumble. That's the thing. And then you fall off the side of a cliff. That's right. <laughs> or somebody comes along and switches the light on and you suddenly realize just how close you were oh, that's such a good... to destroying your life. And this is... That's such an incredible point because you can go two ways. You either fall off the cliff and it's over or someone switch, you know, the light gets switched on and you realize and it's kind Have of... Ever, yeah, is it, what were you going to say? I, I was, sorry, I'm butting in. Have you ever stopped to think about where your life would be at right now, today, if at some point God had not switched the light on for you? Man, it is the constant topic of my thought of like every choice that I've ever made leading up to this point is like I could have been in a different place yeah. like I fully just think about that all the time like every minute choice and the whole butterfly effect and and everything yes like that just wild stuff about you know yeah the choices that we make um, yes. but then at the same time like I would say yeah I would be in a com- because especially when you look at your journey with God and you can see that there were times, like there was a lot of kind of not important time, but then there were those sort of key moments, maybe five or six for me, that it's like if this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened in that order at that time, yeah, yeah. I just fully yeah. wouldn't be at the place that I'm at now. You know, I look at that for me as like, oh, if, you know, um, if I hadn't stopped racing motorbikes, if those girls hadn't knocked on my door, if I decided not to go out to dinner with them, if I didn't go to church for the first time. And one of them is if I didn't hear a sermon by Braden Intman that was really inspiring and like changed my life. But like it's... I hope you're listening, Braden. Yeah. Shout out Braden Intman. That was like, that was huge for me. But it was like, yeah, those certain events, if one of them hadn't happened, well, like, you know... 
where would I where be? Would, where would you be right now? I mean, we don't know. We just... But the potential is there are some very negative potentials out yeah. there. You know, I look back at my life and I'm 15 years old and I've left home and I'm living in an abandoned apple picker's hut out in the bush, you know, and 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 a lot of kids at that age in that environment, that's the point at which their life unravels mm. and becomes completely unstuck and they just go down a path of, I don't even like to think about that path. You know, the potential is drugs, the potential is crime, yeah. the potential is, you know, just the worst things that you can imagine. And I've seen other young people with, you know, who have been in far less desperate circumstances who have messed up their lives. And yet for me, that's where I met Jesus Christ. That's where the light came on. That's where I saw the cliff either side. Mm. God is wonderful. Yeah, praise God.
Sandra McCracken with Send Out Your Light. You're listening to Faith FM. Lawson, has anyone got this quiz yet? Yeah. Oh, they have. Someone has. Congratulations. Wait, I'm just looking at Shell. It's Christine from Bush, Bush, Bushland Beach. Christine from Bushland Congratulations. Beach. Congratulations. So you will win a prize. You will. And uh, It's going to be of, amazing. Of course, uh, the answer to that quiz was Peter. The uh, the leader of the Christian church in the first century. No, he was not. Yeah, he was. No, he was what not. What do you mean he wasn't? James was the leader of the Christian church okay, in the first well, century. Peter was a legit guy. He was a legit guy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he was up there. He was up there. He's one of the leaders. One of the leaders. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, you know, he focused his ministry, of course, on the Jewish church while Paul focused his ministry on the uh, Gentile church. He was one of the most significant uh, leaders for sure. Mm. Uh, however, if you go to James chapter 15, you'll find that the actual leader was James. Well, there you go. Peter was not the first pope. James was the first conference president. General general conference president. The G- first GC president. There you go. Or pope. Or pope. Or... Yeah, it's kind of the wrong word, though. <laughs> Makes you a little bit uncomfortable. It does, because the Bible says, call no man on earth your father in a spiritual sense, because you mm. only have one spiritual father, and that is your father, which is in heaven. Amen. Okay, where are we? We are in the Bible. We are in First John chapter 1, verse 7 to 9. Let's go back over those verses, Lawson. I'll get you to read them again, uh, just to review for us. We've been talking about walking in the light. We've been talking about purification. Uh, this passage is all about being purified, and we need to be to understand how can we, you know, we're in Western civilization. We have a, have a shower once a day, so we're all good as far as physical purification goes. But we do need to understand how we have uh, spiritual purification. <clears throat> so 7 to 9. 7 to 9. First John chapter 1, 7 to 9, the Bible says, But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and with the blood of Jesus, his Son. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Okay. So, Lawson. Yes. Are you without sin? 
clearly not. I am without sin. Oh. Okay. Oh, because because you've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. That's right. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's two. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 passage is almost a contradiction. Did, where, mm. Do you see the almost contradiction we have? Yeah, here? of course. It says here, if someone says he's without sin, he's alive, and then it's like God cleanses us from all sin. So therefore, you are without sin. Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah, amen. Okay, so why does the what what is the Bible is clearly talking about two different things here? What are the two different things the Bible is talking about? Uh, well, the Bible is talking about the sinful nature of man. Mm-hmm. Firstly, and that's where it says. So, know, if I come along and say, "Hey, I'm not even a sinner," no, that's a problem. That's a lie. Absolutely, mm. it's like, well, if you're not a sinner, why did you just blow it right now? You've made it 47 years, and you just blew it. <laughs> <laughs> So, oops. Um, And then this, you know, the second thing that's going on here is obviously, you know, the cleansing power that God has over sin. And that's the contrast that John is trying to draw out. Mm. The fact that none of us can say we don't have sin. All of us do have sin. um, And as a result of that, we all have things in our life that are destroying us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And you often find you know, people that are burdened, terribly, terribly burdened with sin. What I find most interesting is when I come across atheists who are burdened with sin. Mm. Why do you think I find that interesting? Because, you know, the the belief of atheism, like that there is no God and there is no moral standard and, you know, inherently... There is th- no sin. There is no sin, yeah. That's right. How can there be sin? The most moral thing that you can do as a true atheist believing in the theory and the concept of evolution is to um, do whatever it takes to ensure that your genetic material survives over and and above everybody else's. <clears throat> Mm. The process of evolution is exclusively selfish. Mm. It is 100% selfish because it is all about passing on your genetic material at all costs, Mm. at any cost. That's what's called survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest is passing on your genetic material at any cost. However, as human beings, we are not like that. We recognize that there are things that we are going to do in our world that are going to have absolutely nothing to do with ensuring the survival of our genetic material. Mm. We all involve ourselves in volunteering, in helping out, in doing you know various things in the community that are all about helping the survival of other people's genetic material, which is a disadvantage to our genetic material because it dilutes it. Mm. In a purely competitive um, evolutionary environment, that would never take place. You have people who, like friends of ours, who have taken on a family of foster children, a bunch of little boys, uh, great kids, um, come from a very troubled background. They're doing an amazing work with these kids, uh, giving them a life, giving them a future, all that kind of thing. And But how is that? How is that being of any kind of benefit to uh, their family, mm. their genetic? It's like no benefit at all. All it does is hurt them because there are now less resources in their home that are available to their own children. Mm. 
And so from an evolutionary perspective, this should never take place. Yeah. Survival of the fittest demands that we would never, ever have that kind of morality, and yet we do. Mm. And as a result of that, you find many people who do not believe in God and yet are crippled with guilt. Guilt should not exist if you do not believe in God. There is no such thing as morality. The only morality that that exists if you do not believe in God is the morality that you create. Yeah, fully. And I think that's the biggest thing. Is because if you don't believe in God, you are God. Yeah, see, yeah oh, I was just going to say, because like then the morality of evolution isn't the standard either. Because like the it's whatever you make it. Um, because then you could, like evolutionists could make a, a case then against people who practice homosexual uh, homosexuality and saying, oh, you're not successfully passing on your genetic material, therefore. Yeah. It, like, which is then interesting. Counterproductive to the process of evolution. So therefore, evolutionarily immoral. But then it's interesting because a lot of people who are relatively atheists, like, you know, then stand up for that. So it, it goes both ways. It's yeah, like, but absolutely. It, it's ultimately like that we're not, people aren't in the, in the business of setting moral absolutes. People are just in the business of doing whatever they want. And this want. is what I appreciate about, about Christianity because Christianity is accepting of all people mm. and loving towards all people, regardless of what their background is. Mm. You know, Christianity does have a moral standard that it lives by, certainly. But the foundation of that moral standard is to be loving towards everybody, whereas the foundation of evolutionary, an evolutionary concept is not to be loving mm. towards everybody, if you take it to its logical conclusion. Mm. Ah, it's interesting. We've got ourselves sidetracked onto a... Um, <laughs> Which- Really deep uh, philosophical discussion here. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 1-800-324-843. Give us a call um, and have a chat with us. But we are kind of out of time, but mm. you can chat to us off air um, or text Fully. us on 0491-064-669. Send in the question of the day. Yes. Um, love Send to hear your question. questions about these kinds of issues. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, his blood, cleanses us from all uncleanness. You're listening to Faith FM.
I've just found a great op shop in Albury. Really? Where is it? It's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. They have all these cool clothes for the whole family and great stuff for their house as well. And the people there are so friendly. They love a chat. <laughs> Sounds good. It gets better. If you mention you heard this ad on Faith FM, you can fill a bag of clothes for just $5. Well, I'm in. When is it open? They're open every Wednesday and Thursday from 9 to 3. Looks like we'll have to make a date. Remember, it's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. I'll see you there next week. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. 
If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with the show. Unfortunately, we don't have another clue for the quiz because it's already been answered. But we have come to the time of question of the day. Indeed, we have. Are you ready, Lyle? I am ready. To receive a question. So the question is, did Adam and Eve eventually receive salvation after their initial fall and before 
their eventual physical death? This is a very good question, and I would say that um, the biggest problem word within the question would be eventually, because I believe the Bible indicates that they received forgiveness very, very soon after their initial sin, Mm. and that they lived a righteous life from that point forward in which they received forgiveness for their sins and found salvation. Okay, so you ask the question, why? What is the evidence that you put forward for that? Okay, if we look at the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, we find that Eve uh, was deceived by the serpent and ate the fruit. Adam decided to throw his lot in with his wife and ate the fruit as well. As a result of that, they rebelled against God, and for their rebellion against God, they were thrown out of the Garden of Eden and condemned to death because sin is a disease. The only way that you can kill the sin of disease is by killing the carrier of that particular sin. However, what you find is that God comes looking for them. Now, if there was no hope of forgiveness of sin, if there was no hope of them receiving salvation, God would not have come looking for them. He comes looking for for them that evening. Mm. He finds them. He asks them, you know, what's going on. Uh, They kind of make excuses for their sins and try and excuse it all away. Uh, However, he... um, he goes on to point out that, like, no, you are actually a sinner and you did do this wrong. But then he gives this great promise um, in Genesis chapter 3, and it's really the first gospel verse in the Bible in many ways. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, what God is promising that is the descendant of Eve somewhere will destroy Satan. Mm. but that Satan will cause great pain to the descendant of Eve, which pointed forward to what Jesus was about to do on Calvary. This indicates to me that Adam and Eve received forgiveness at this particular point where God made this provision and they accepted that provision. What evidence do we have that they accepted that provision and this is what actually took place? If you go down to verse 21, the Bible says, um, and unto Adam also and to his wife, the Lord made coats of skins and clothed them. We find that forgiveness was found uh, previous to the cross through the sacrificial system. And right here in the Garden of Eden at the time of the very first sin, the very first sacrifice was made. Animals were killed at this particular point. Mm. This then carries straight on into chapter 4 where you have Cain and Abel who have been brought up as the children of Adam and Eve and they continue the practice of bringing a sacrifice for their sins. And of course we have the story how Abel brings a lamb as was specified by God and Cain brings produce as was not specified by God. And so you've got that story right there. But what it does indicate is that these children that were born after Adam and Eve's sin, have been raised in the knowledge and the understanding of the gospel. Mm. You don't do that if you are not a follower of God. And so in Adam and Eve, the evidence is that, yes, they were followers of God. They did sin, and no doubt they committed sins at various other points of their life as well, as all do, and they received forgiveness for those sins. The Bible does not say whether they died in a saved condition or not, but the Bible does indicate that that was the case. You know, mm. if that was not the case, it's 
probably, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed that because they were such significant individuals that the Bible would have a record of it because the Bible does not have a record of it. We assume that the saved condition that we find them here in Genesis 3 and in Genesis 4 continued throughout their entire life. And so we can look forward to meeting Adam and Eve when we get to heaven one day and asking them what it was like to be, you know, the first human beings who ever lived here on this planet. Man, what a wild time. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got a question, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669, and we will answer your question, your question of the day, right here on Faith FM. We love to hear from our listeners. We love to know what is on your mind. This is Anna Weatherup. The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged Suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best From a world of lost sinners were slain So I cherish The old rugged cross Last I
Welcome back, guys. That was Anna Weather up with the old rugged cross as uh, the one and only Matt Parra departs the studio in a hurry. <laughs> call, him, call him out here on radio. Uh, we're just having a, a very uh, excited chat about Lawson's future next year as he heads off to uh, theological training. The roast of Lawson's future. We did. We, did. we ganged hey, up on him. Hey, it's all good. That's fine. The, 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 the two PNDs were ganging up on him. Mm. Hey, that's... You, you know what a P&D is, right? Uh, Pastor no degree right there. <laughs> I thought it was like pretty and degraded or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are we giving away today? Okay, we are giving away a book. We're giving away a book that mm-hmm. Matt Parra just um, recommended that Lawson read... Uh, every night. Every night. Before I go to bed. That's right. And I would agree because I've read this book before and it's a fantastic book. It is. Um, while, he's doing, while he's doing college to keep his mind on track. Amen. And this book is called Patriarchs and Prophets. This yes. is w- probably one of the most, I'm not going to say exhaustive, but one of the most clearest and profound commentaries on the books of the Bible from the time of the creation up into the time of King Saul. Um, just incredible book written by E.G. White, one of the most published authors, one of the most published female authors in the world. Um, so yeah, look, this is an incredible book. Like, I can't say more about it other than you just have to call us and win it. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. We've been talking about Adam and Eve, you know. Um, yeah. The story is right here. Mm. Amen. 1-800-324-843. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. Keep listening to Faith FM. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping? Hungry, lowly, afraid, wrapped in the chill of midwinter, comes now among us, born into poverty's embrace, new life for the world. Who is this who lives with the lonely? Sharing their sorrows, knowing their hunger. This is Christ revealed to the world in the eyes of a child, a child of the poor. What child is strangers who hear
Cry. 